But a few weeks later, he began to have serious bouts of severe chest pain. And the weight loss began again. He went down from 175 pounds to 145 pounds. And then, accompanied by a persistent cough, he knew something was wrong. So he had an MRI this time, not an x-ray, because in his own words, he needed to see what was going on really deep down inside of him. The results of the MRI were that his lungs were filled with innumerable tumors. His cancer had become widely spread. And upon receiving the results, this is what he wrote. And with that, the MRI results, the future I had imagined, the one just about to be realized fully, the culmination of decades of striving evaporated. See, Paul Calafani was at the top of his field, but he had a problem. It was a big problem. See, at first he thought it was just something pretty simple, something external to him. It was just a cough or it was just a little weight loss or perhaps some bad back pain. But the more he investigated, the bigger the problem became. And when he looked internally, when he looked deeper than the surface, what the MRI revealed that he had a bigger problem, that his biggest problem was cancer. And that cancer internally was deadly. In our text, Naaman Naaman is at the top of his field. He has everything. Did you see the adjectives in verse 1? Here's what, they, here's what the Bible describes Naaman as. Commander. He is a great man. He is in high favor with his master. He is a mighty man of valor. We would say today in our 21st century, the guy had a designer life. I mean, he had it all going. He'd reached the top of the mountain. But then five little words, almost like an addendum at the end of the verse, says this. But he was a leper. You see, all the things that he thought that he had worked for for decades, all the things that were the reality that he was looking for, the things that culminated in such long years of fighting and struggling to attain, were evaporating and the reason was, is he was a leper. See, as I mentioned before, in the Old Testament, leprosy is often a metaphor for sin. The real physical leprosy was a skin disease. It was a slow-moving, fatal, inevitable, incurable, terrible nightmare. See, Naaman thought that his biggest problem was leprosy. But what the text is going to point out and what God used Elisha the prophet to point out is that it really wasn't. That his biggest problem was not a skin issue on the outside, but a sin issue on the inside. You see, Jesus points this out to us many times, one in particular in the Gospels when he healed people. And you remember the paralytic that had his friends put him on the cot or stretcher and they tore open the roof and they put him down so that Jesus could heal him. And when Jesus often healed people, including this instance, he did it on two levels. He often healed people physically, as he did the paralytic here. But he also says, as he did in this case, he says to the man, he says, your sins are forgiven you. 
It's, it's like Jesus really is saying to the paralytic, hey, you really want to know what's really paralyzing your life? Your real paral- being paralyzed is not just your legs, it's your heart, see? And Jesus cared, it's obvious if you read the Gospels, about people's external brokenness. But what he really went after and what mattered the most to him, because he realized it was the biggest problem that we face was the underlying problem. It wasn't our outer brokenness. It was our inner brokenness. It's our sin. And see, if all that God cared about was Naaman's external leprosy, Naaman, when he approached the house of Elisha, Elisha could have come to the door and just healed him right then and there. He could have just come to the door and said, Naaman, you're healed. But that is not how the story goes. Instead, Naaman met with all kinds of refusals from Elisha, all kinds of frustrations. He had to go through a lot of humbling circumstances. And you know the reason why? It's because God wanted to show Naaman that his outer leprosy was not his biggest problem that he needed to deal with his inner leprosy. And see, you know why God brought you here this morning, perhaps? You know what one of the reasons is? Because you think that your biggest problem, and we could, we could name them, a marriage that's falling apart, kids that you can't control, you're not sure if your job's going to be there tomorrow, are you going to pay the bills, and health issues that you face, death in your... You see, listen, you think that those are your biggest problems, but see, God wants you to hear the message this morning that it's not your outer problems... It's your inner problems. See, for Naaman, it was pride. Pride was the leprosy of his heart. Every one of us, Naaman, you, me, every one of us have this prideful self-sufficiency growing in our hearts like leprosy. And it destroys everything in its path from the inside out. And I know that you've heard it. And I know that you've experienced it. Self-sufficiency says this sort of stuff. I can handle it. See, we grow up that way, don't we? We want to be independent. We want to prove that we are, a per, we are pre- people that can handle things in life. So we tell someone else, don't tell me. I know what I'm doing. I can handle life. I'm going to do it. I know what's going on. I call that leprosy language. Leprosy language, because it depends on self only when you know that you can't solve the problems. It's what teenagers say to their parents. Don't tell me what to look at on TV. Don't tell me the music. Don't tell me whether I should have this social media or who I should interact with. See, teens say, hey, don't tell me who my friends are. Don't tell me how I should live my life. See, it's leprosy language. It's church people who say to their friends who are concerned with them, hey, you really shouldn't be involved in that. Don't tell me. I can make my own choices. I'm grown up now. I think I can handle it. As their life and marriage is falling apart, it's what spouses say to each other. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can handle that. I can handle that temptation. I can't see. And and God's talking to us. But see, pride gets in the the way because we have an image to protect. And all of us, all of us have this inner leprosy full of pride and self-sufficiency. And notice, would you, in verses 9 and 10, notice how God goes after Naaman's pride, his inner leprosy. Now, I want to point out today because it's so relevant and current to how people think about how salvation takes place today. So God does it in three ways. Three ways Naaman's pride is confronted by God in the gospel. Let me just unpack them, each one. 
Number one, Naaman's pride is confronted by the simplicity of the gospel. Verse 10 reads this way. If you'll, in 2 Kings chapter 5, in verse 10, it says, And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. You see, Naaman came that day to get cured of his leprosy, and he wanted it, he had expectations. He wanted it to be sensational. He wanted it to be dramatic. He wanted it to be impressive because you know why? Because that's the kind of guy he was. He was impressive. He was sensational. And so he gets angry. Look at verse 10 again. Behold, I thought he would surely come to me and stand and call upon the name of God. He, he wanted Elisha to come out himself. He didn't want a messenger sent. In other words, as if Naaman's case wasn't that important. And he wanted Naaman, Elisha wanted, Naaman wanted Elisha to come to the door and wave his hands and do some great, and have this awesome prayer, holding out his hands like this and praying down something awesome or asking him to do something. See, for Naaman, he wanted something spectacular. And the way that the cure was being offered to him was too simple, it's too easy. It's not what he expected. When, when all Elisha's messenger says from him is to go wash in the Jordan, it's like he's saying this, come on, there has to be more to it than that. And people are just like that today. I've had so many people tell me, when I tell them the gospel, they say stuff like this, you mean all I have to do is believe in Jesus? Come on, Pastor Walker, there has to be more to it than that. And all I have to do is believe that he died on the cross for my sins. All I have to do is repent and put my faith and trust in him that his death and resurrection is all I need. And I can be completely, completely, do you know what I've done? Completely forgiven. You see, the gospel and the cross are offensive. People think it's too simple. It's too easy and Naaman is still trying to solve his problems the world's way. See, in the text, you'll notice that what happens in verses 5 through 9 in this chapter is that here's the protocol. Here's how it worked when you had a big problem. It's who you knew. And so he asked the king of his country to send a letter to the king of Israel. See, that's what you do. When you have a problem, you go to the top. If you have clout and you have power, then that's how you handle things. So he has his king send a letter to Israel's king. And when you wanted a problem solved in a country, you went to the king because the king controlled everyone and everything. So if you needed a prophet, if you needed a priest, if you needed a miracle worker, it was the king's job. He handled the problems. But did you see how Israel's king responds? He says, am I God? Can I make a live... Can I do all those things? And here, here's what Israel's king knew that Naaman hadn't figured out. He says, you're asking me to solve a problem that only God can solve. See, Naaman said, if it's just I knew the right people, if I knew the right things, if I could put it all together, if I could get the right person involved, if I could get this, this. See, here's what Naaman didn't realize that you and I need to realize. If we're going to be cured of our biggest problems, it won't be through the world's ways. Can I tell you this? Your biggest problem will not be solved by politics. Your biggest problem will not be solved by government. It will not be solved by psychology. It will not be resolved by science or human ingenuity. Did you know this morning that your big, biggest problem is not COVID-19 or whether you're going to get a vaccine? It's not your biggest problem. 
Sin is our biggest problem. And only God can handle it. And can I tell you, he's an expert. He's an expert on inner leprosy. He is. He is an expert on the biggest problem that you will ever face. The one that has eternal ramifications. And it offended a guy like Naaman. And sometimes it offends us too. So Naaman was confronted with his pride, was confronted with the the simplicity. There had to be more to it than that for him. Secondly, Naaman's pride is confronted by the freeness, if that's a word, the freeness of the gospel. Did you note that? How he comes up? He comes up with horses and chariots, the Bible says. And so it's a power move. Horses and chariots in the Old Testament always are about military supremacy, about power. That's why Israel's king was not allowed to multiply horses or have chariots because they were supposed to depend on God's power. But this is a show of his power, his might, his authority. So he comes up with this big retinue of people, a big company. They all come up. They've got horses and chariots. I mean, it's impressive. It really is. And it was meant to be. And not only does he come up with all these people and the horses and chariots, but it says he came up with, and this is what it would be in our day, 750 pounds of silver. Do you remember how he had to have a big truckload, a cart to get all this there? 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of garment. Do you see what he's saying? From the very outset of the moment he drives up to Elisha's house, he's communicating this. I know if I'm going to be cured, I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to give him something. And see, here's what he says. I've got it too. I've got all that I need. I can give you anything you want. And when he hears, with all this stuff sitting there on the carts, that all the guy says to me is, go wash in the Jordan, he's angry. In fact, the word in Hebrew, rage, is used. I mean, he's more than angry. He's about to explode. He's so upset. And then his servants, look at verse 13. His servants calm him down and say this to him. My father, it's a great word the prophet has spoken unto you. Will you not do it? See, do it. Won't you do this? I know what you want to do. I know what you think you have to do. I know you got to give him, you think you got to give him money. You got to impress him. You got to show him what a great person you are so that you can prove that you're worthy of him healing your leprosy. But it doesn't work that way. The gospel doesn't work that way. If Elisha would have said to Naaman, hey, I want you to go and bring me back the broomstick of the wicked witch of the West. He would go slay a dragon. Or like Hercules, I bring me back the heads of Medusa. I mean, he would have been, oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. And people, you know what, Pastor Walker? I know God is gracious and all, but what I got to do to be saved? I mean, come on, I got to go through the sacraments. I got to attend church, right? I got to go this, and I got to have be catechized and baptized as a baby, and I try to be as good as I can. I hope I don't commit any venial sins, and I hope my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff. I mean, I'm working on it. I'm real, and and I've had so many. How are you going to get to heaven, I've asked. You know what they say? Well, I'm being as good as I can. See, that's our bent. That's our bent. And to say that you can't do anything? For Elisha to say to Naaman, I don't need your silver. I don't need your gold. I don't want your clothes. You know what it is? It's insulting to Naaman. It's insulting. Because you know what it says? Naaman is basically saying, well, if all I do is have to go down and wash, listen, it means anybody can do that. 
Naaman would say, if he was here in America, here's how he'd say it. Are you telling me that anyone without money, without power, without goodness, without morality, without anything, that they can be saved? That they can go to heaven? You know what that means to a guy like Naaman and to some of us? It means that nothing that you have done really matters. That's hard to handle, isn't it? All of his mighty man of valor stuff, all the things that filled in the definition of what it meant to be a great man, how he got to the top, how he became a commander, how everybody thought of him and his reputation and his, and his victories in battle, how great he was. And here's what Elisha basically is saying, and I want you to know, it doesn't matter. When it comes to having your leprosy healed, to being right with God, he says everything is worthless. And Naaman would say, everything, everything I've ever done is worthless when it comes to this God. And he would say, everything. Being a Baptist, you know that won't do it for you, right? Being a Baptist when it comes to being forgiven by God, did you know that's worthless? You know, being Catholic or Lutheran or Presbyterian or Methodist or whatever religious affiliation you have, do you know in front of God when it comes to being forgiven and being right with him, did you know that it's absolutely worthless? Being baptized as a baby, being a good person, being faithful to your spouse, some of those things are really good things. But when it comes to being forgiven, to having your inner leprosy healed, do you know what they are to God? Meaningless. Worthless. Giving money. Pastor Walker, I, I give money in the plate. And let me tell you, you know, I'm a religious person. And, and God really kind of owes me. And, and people owe me. And I, and I think, I don't like to say it too loud, but you know, I'm pretty, I'm better than most people I know. You know what it is? It's leprosy language. It's pride. It's not humility. It's religiosity. And see, Naaman had a struggle. And the struggle was that the gospel was free. There wasn't anything he could do to earn it or merit or favor it or deserve it. Because he was a leper. So it was a struggle for him. And you know what the gospel does? It confronts our pride. And the simplicity of the gospel confronts it. The freeness of the gospel confronts our pride. And thirdly, Naaman's pride is confronted by the exclusivity of the gospel. What do you mean by that, Pastor Walker? Well, listen to Naaman's pride when he says to him, go wash in the Jordan seven times. And you know what his response is? Listen to the leprosy talk. Listen to his pride. It's, it just comes right out of him. He says, why do I have to wash in that river? Can I go to, and he names two of the rivers in his country, back in his home. Basically, people today would say it this way, Pastor Walker, are you, you, are you telling me that Jesus is the only way to God? That's silly. It's worse than silly. It's narrow-minded. It's exclusive. It's not tolerant. Naaman said, well, why can't I go in any river anywhere I want? Why do I have to do this ugly, dirty, and I've been to the Jordan. It is dirty and ugly. Why do I have to be washed in the Jordan? Why can't I go back home? And he's offended because the gospel of health and cure and salvation is singular in its source. It's only the Jordan, and it's only the way God says in the Jordan. See? 
In a historical note, here's why that's important. In this time period, every nation had its own gods. And most of them thought that they were local deities. In other words, your God could do stuff in your country, but if you got outside of your country, your God was powerless. So every country had a God or gods. Every people had their own gods. Every river had a God. And so here's what he's thinking. Why your God in your country? Listen, why can't I go back to my country and my river why is it only this way? And today, here's how they say it, 21st century. Why is the Bible the only source of God's truth? You know, there's truth in a lot of other books. You know, a lot of great prophets and great people have written a lot of things. And you know what? Maybe they're all true. Someone asked me, why is salvation and forgiveness and going to heaven, why is it only, only through the Lord Jesus? Why is it only through his death and resurrection as payment for our sins? Why is that the only way? We like options, don't we? I mean, a lot of people are pretty glad now that when it comes to the vaccine for COVID that you've got choices. I mean, you can do the Moderna way, the Pfizer way, you can, Johnson & Johnson, you can get two shots, you can get one shot, right? Now it's 85% effective, 100% on some things, not on others, and it's limited, and not everybody's getting it. But we like to have our options, don't we? But can I tell you today, when it comes to the cure for sin and pride, when it comes to healing your inner leprosy, your sin, there's only one source. There's only one shot. There's only one Savior. And you have to get it from Him. If you're going to have your inner COVID healed and forgiven by the grace of God, Christ alone is your hope. Acts 4.12, Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now listen, when you get saved, and I know that that day, it wasn't just his external leprosy that was healed, it was his inner leprosy was healed, and God finally broke through his pride. You know how I know that? Because it says in 5.15, this is what his response is. Naaman says, now I know, now I know. See, something changed inside me today. Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. See that? He'd come to the conclusion that all the gods at all the other countries and all the other places and all the other rivers, they were not really God. But the real God was the one that just changed his life on the outside and on the inside. Not quite done. This is a story about two lepers. One man, Naaman, a Gentile. See, he was an outsider he wasn't really part of God's people. But he was a leper. He needed to be made clean. But in the story, that's not the only story of leprosy because there's an insider problem. See, there's a guy who's Jewish. He's the assistant of Elisha. He has been in the ministry for years. It looks like if there's anybody who's got their act together and who isn't controlled by their inner leprosy, it would be him. See, he's the guy who has the right religion, the right God. And Gehazi runs after Naaman after he leaves Elisha's presence, after Elijah, his master, has refused the money. And later on in the text, it tells why Elisha refused it, because it's not the time to receive money or gifts or land or animals. You know why? Because he didn't want to pollute the purity of the gospel by thinking or letting Naaman think that somehow he did it so he could get paid off 
or that somehow the source of his wealth and sufficiency was what Naaman could do for him. He wasn't willing to risk any of those things, so he refused all of Naaman's gifts. And as the servant of Elisha, Gehazi should have done the same, but he didn't. And when his master had gone inside and Naaman had gone down the road a bit like nothing was going to happen, he runs after Naaman and he tracks him down and Naaman stops because he thinks there's something wrong and Gehazi assures him nothing's wrong and then here's what he does to show who he really is. He lies. He lies about his master and then eventually he lies to his master because here's what the truth, Gehazi is living a lie because there's a second form of pride that this chapter addresses. And the person that you don't think has the leprosy problem actually does. And if you're reading the story in the Old Testament and you're Jewish and you're thinking, oh, Naaman has the leprosy, he has an outside, yeah, I get all that, that's not surprising, the guy's a Gentile. But it's the Jewish man, it's the religious guy, it's the servant of the prophet who is a servant of God. He has the same problem. See, he has no outer leprosy, but he has an inner leprosy. And it shows up when he asks, and by the way, does it very subtly. He doesn't ask for all the silver and gold and all the clothes. He asks for a little bit, knowing the guy's just been converted and he's going to give him more. You know, my master just needs two changes of clothing, no gold, just one talent of silver. And he knows, and, and immediately, you know what Naaman says? Oh, don't take one, take two. Isn't, isn't that what happens? Take two, take two things of clothes. I mean, come on, I've got plenty. See, Gehazi was proving who he really was. And I asked the question as I read it this week, how can a guy who's been in the ministry, who has lived with and served Elisha, a great man of God, how in the world could he do this? And you know how? Because he wasn't who he was, thought the image was. He wasn't really who he thought people thought he was on the outside. He was someone completely different on the inside. Deep down in his heart, here's what Gehazi wanted when he saw Naaman. That's what I want to be like. Living in this little house with Elisha, having these few things. I mean, I, I wish I was like Naaman. The gold, the silver, the clothes, the power, the impressiveness. And see, here's what, see how Naaman thought he could solve his problem the world way? And that's exactly what Gehazi did. He thinks his greatest need is something the world can offer him. It's stuff. It's things. It's money. And he wanted to be like Naaman. Pastor Walker, how do you know that? Because God gave him what he wanted. See, he wanted to be like Naaman. And so here's what Elisha says. And so you will become Naaman for the rest of your life. And so will all your ancestors because his leprosy will be yours. See, you can have all that he had. But you know what comes with that life? Leprosy on the inside. 1 John 2 says this in verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, listen, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. The word life is bios. It means the pride of life, the things that comes, the pride inside that comes from having things, loving the world and all that it offers. That was Gehazi. And it was destroying him on the inside. It was his pride, the pride of life. It was his inner leprosy that ended up ruining everything. So the text is obvious. It confronts us. 
and ask us the question. That's how it's set up. Which leper are you? See, are you the Naaman who has leprosy and, uh, and then figures out that he's proud and that he really does need God and God is the only? Have you come to that place? And are you that leper that you've come to the place where you come to the cross and say, Jesus is the only source of my healing, my cure, my salvation? Or are you the other one? Are you the guy who's religious? Are you the person who thinks they have it together or at least it looks like you have it all together but you've never come to the realization of what's really going on inside? See, we need spiritual MRIs. We need to get God to be able to take his word and look below the surface really into our hearts and say, God, this is who I really am. No matter what I've confessed, no matter what I've said before, God, I have leprosy on the inside and it just shows itself by the things I desire and the things that I want. And, and the chapter will not let us leave until we decide which of the lepers are we. Am I really clean? Or do I just look clean? Am I Naaman? Or am I Gehazi? And ultimately the answer to that question can only be how are you going to deal with your biggest problem? Sin. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, just a moment, we're going to sing a song together, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Praise God for that. But see, 1 Peter says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you want grace in your life that's greater than sin, you're going to have to humble yourself. Oh, it would take a lot to say today in front of other people, that I have leprosy. That I have it so bad that I've recognized there's no way I can change what's going on in my life. Not my religiousness, not my denomination, not my good works, not my supposed morality. You'd have to humble yourself and see that's our, see it's the, it's the leprosy language that's talking in your heart and perhaps even now as I'm talking you're making up reasons and excuses. I'm not really that person, Pastor Walker, and that's the problem. See, you have to humble yourself. That's, that's why God keeps coming after you. That's why he keeps confronting you. That's why he's not taking away your problems because he's trying to break down your pride, your self-sufficiency to show you just how much you really need him. Will you let him do it today? Will you let the spirit of God take the word of God and bring you to the place of brokenness, humility, and repentance? That's the only cure. It's the only cure. And Jesus' cross, death, and resurrection is where it starts. But maybe you're here this morning and you don't look like you have leprosy. You look pretty clean. But you know, and maybe not very many others do, but you know what's going on deep down inside. You know what you really want. You know what you really desire. You know that the world has really got a hold of your heart. And you've got leprosy. You've got leprosy. Before it ruins you, before it ruins your descendants, that's the word, your family, would you forsake it? Would you humble yourself? Would you call on the Lord? Would you wash and be clean? Father, you know the reality of people's hearts this morning. We can hide it. We think we can. But you see beyond the surface. You see below the surface. You know where we really stand. 
You know if we're humble or if we're proud. You know if it's only external leprosy or internal. You know the truth and reality of it all. I pray, Father, that we would give up on trying to hide it and hold up our image and that today that we would lose all that, that we might be humbled under the mighty hand of God and let him exalt us as he see fit. God, save people today by your grace and for your glory. Turn hearts and lives around. Transform them from the inside out for your glory alone. And we'll give you thanks and praise for that. For it's through Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen.